<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. From the newsroom to the nursery. We're juggling a demanding career on live television with the demands of motherhood. I'm Katie. I'm Karen. And I'm Ingrid. They are anchor moms. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Anchor Moms, the podcast. Um, we are kind of continuing on our theme here, um, talking about infertility. And this week, we are talking to actually a very dear friend of mine from home. Uh, we grew up together, uh, Liz Avent, um, who uh, experienced a difficult time um, getting pregnant. She just welcomed a new baby girl um, a couple of weeks ago, so we're so excited for that. But she can give us really, she gives us a, a great kind of perspective and firsthand look at what it's like when you're dealing with um, miscarriages, you know, the struggle to get pregnant, um, all of it, and is very open and honest about how difficult all of that is. So uh, listen into her story. Well, um, Liz, so we are so grateful to have you on. Um, First of all, introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about your story. Um, and also, congratulations, you have a newborn little girl. Yeah. Um, so tell us about, yeah, start there. Start with your with your baby and then kind of maybe <laughs> go back to uh, to how you got to that point. Sure. So, yeah, I'm an old friend of Karen's. I'm currently living in New Jersey with my husband and our four-week-old baby girl, Eleanor. Um, so we're living the crazy newborn life of cat naps and living in between and living the the spin cycle of diaper to nap to snuggles. So it's great. Um, but I am originally from Virginia, um, went to school to be an attorney. So I practiced employment litigation for a number of years, um, when we lived in the States. And then my husband back in 2015, right after we got married, um, took a really cool job, um, that sent us abroad. So we lived, abroad for about five years um, in Germany and then in Mexico, back to Germany for a while and then in Denmark, um, which was a goal of ours as a couple to live abroad and kind of have that experience kind of right after marriage before we had kids. Um, So I feel really lucky to have that. Um, But while we lived abroad, I couldn't continue practicing law because we were moving around so often. So I um, had to kind of figure out what to do with my life, and I turned what was a hobby, which was letterpress printing and calligraphy, into a business. And so I ran my own um, stationery company. I do calligraphy and design, mostly wedding invitations, Um, but it's called Red Clay Paper, um, and I'm still doing that. So that's sort of my, I'm I'm an attorney, I'm still licensed, I could practice law, but even since moving back, um, I've kept my business going. I've been working on that for four years now. So that's, I'm a calligrapher now, which is kind of crazy to say. (laughs) But so that's where, that's, that's my quick story, I guess. So talk about, um, uh, take us back to when you were living abroad and kind of when you decided to start on the journey to have a baby and what that looked like for you. Yeah, sure. So, um, 
like I said, we, we kind of purposely, we had this plan, right? Everyone has their plan, which was we got married. I'm a little bit older. Um, we got married when I was, I guess, 32. Um, but we wanted to have a few years where it was just us, you know, the two of us against the world, moving around, having these adventures. And we did that and it was awesome, but we kind of took advantage or took it for granted that, um, that we would be able to get pregnant like that, you know, like everyone kind of thinks like, this will just happen. Um, so we waited purposefully to start trying. Um, we started trying back in 2018 um, and I got pregnant super fast. So we were like, oh, it's working. You know, this is what we're doing. And this is when we lived in Germany. We thought we'd be um, continuing to live abroad for a while. So we were like, okay, we're going to have a baby in Europe. This is going to be our plan. Um, we were living in Munich, Germany at the time. Um, so everything was just like felt rosy and good. And it was. Um, we ended up that summer, it was in August of 2018, that October, we um, came back to the States for a couple weddings and we saw our parents while we were there, while we were here in the States um, and told them I was 12 weeks. Uh, we were super excited and told our parents and did the whole like reveal thing. And then we had this flight back to Germany and had an appointment the next day, like the 12 week appointment and there was no heartbeat. So it was just like, really awful we had told our parents like 24 hours prior you know mm -hmm. um and just like that shock i mean you just like don't forget that moment you know um and it was just in this cold german hospital and we're speaking german poorly and it was just really awful um but you know like processing that and i mean a few weeks later you just think like well, that was just bad luck, you know, like, what is it? Three and five doesn't make it okay. But, you know, we kind of like bounced back. And in the meantime, we moved to Copenhagen um, in Denmark. And I got pregnant again in June. So like, what is that? Like eight months later um, and lost it again. And I just like, I just knew it, you know, like you just have that feeling. I lost it at eight weeks and it just like, it was just, I just knew it was gone before we had the confirmation from the ultrasound. Um, so then we did some uh, work with, with doctors and discovered that I had a uterine septum, which is a, a piece of tissue that kind of divides your uterus. It turns into kind of a heart shape. And it's this piece of tissue where if the fetus, if the baby tries to attach, it's not going to survive. Um, so it takes your, <clears throat> what I had took my risk of miscarriage to, from the normal, you know, whatever, 10 to 15% up to like 50 to 60%. Oh, wow. Um, so we were hopeful that was it. That was like the cause, you know, like we were hopeful to have a reason rather than like so many people don't have a reason. Um, so we kind of hung on to that and then had this surgery in Copenhagen uh, we moved back to the States. I had the surgery like three weeks before we moved to the, back to the United States, which is tough. Um, and then I got pregnant again and it stuck. And, and the pregnancy was with Eleanor was not joyful. Fear, you know, pr pregnancy after loss is just different. It's, it's like tainted by that, I guess, or at least it was for me. 
And I couldn't really feel happy about it or hopeful about it until probably like 30 weeks, you know, when it was wow. like, okay, like this baby is viable now, you know, like this, this is happening. Um, and it took us a long time to get there, but um, our story is a, is a happy ending because we have this beautiful baby and she's upstairs with her daddy right now and our lives are crazy and happy. Yeah. So that's. I know it was um, just cause I, you know, know, know your story so well, um, how hard it was to, um, be in that place where you're trying and you don't have that, that, um, easy, quick, yay, um, moment. Um, and you see so many other people who are getting pregnant. Um, how, how, you know, what, what is, how hard is that? And what is kind of from someone who's lived through it, what is the best way that friends, other people can kind of support women going through that who are struggling to have that pregnancy when so many other people seem to just get pregnant right away? Yeah. Um, honestly, friends getting pregnant was the worst part of it all. Like all, all, not as bad as losing my child, but like that was seeing other people, pregnant people, anyone, even if you don't know them on the street is, is hard. It's like PTSD and you pass this woman with a big, beautiful belly and you want to just like punch her in the face. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, not advocating violence against pregnant women, but <laughs> just how you feel. And then Karen, Karen knows I had three, four, five good friends, best friends, best friends get pregnant right when I was having these losses. Mm-hmm. Um, two of my very best friends had a baby on the same day that was like like two weeks within our due, the, the due date for the baby that we lost. And it was awful. Um, and what I'm really sad about now is that I, I wasn't there for those friends. You know, I, I just couldn't be. I couldn't be, I couldn't see photos of them. I didn't want to talk to them. Um, I couldn't be the friend that I needed, that I would like to be um, to support their pregnancy and then their motherhood, you know? Um, but I just, I couldn't mentally, psychologically be that that support person. And they've forgiven me for that and we've talked about it, you know, and they understand. Um, so, I'm answering your question in two ways, Karen, that seeing pregnant people is really hard. It was really hard for me after pregnancy loss. Um, and how to support your, if you have friends who are going through that, like really it's just to say that you're there. Um, I think it's, it's okay to say that you don't know what to say, you know, but that you're just like sharing your presence and your love and your support um, and reiterate that, like check in and, it was it was really hard for me being abroad. Um, culturally, was was really hard because you're dealing with foreign healthcare systems um, and living in a different language. But hard physically because I wasn't with friends. Um, we couldn't I couldn't hug anyone. And um, but I had some really great friends like Karen and others who would send a card or send a text and just say like, Hey, I'm thinking about you. Like that means everything, you know? Um, and if you are pregnant and you have a friend who's, who's going through infertility or pregnancy loss, just be really sensitive to that and say like, you know, I'm here, but it's okay if you can't talk to me because, 
um, she might not be able to, like I couldn't for a little while. I have a question. So, um, you know, obviously through your struggles, it was hard for you obviously to hear, you know, baby announcements and, you know, all these successful pregnancies. But once you knew that Eleanor was going to be a, a baby of yours in your hands and it was going to be a wonderful pregnancy and birth, did you announce on social media or did you kind of hold back thinking that you might impact other women who were struggling at that time? That's a really good question. Um, I waited and I waited longer than, um, than I would have for, for the, that reason, um, Ingrid, which was to, cause I, I knew how it felt to see those pregnancy announcements on, on your Instagram scroll and have to just like, I mean, to see, when I was, when the loss was raw to see a pregnancy announcement would, would ruin the day. Like, and that's, I'm not even, I, I don't think I'm a very dramatic person, but it would just like take you back to, it was like a trigger that would take me back to that just pain. Um, so yeah, when we were, when I was pregnant with Eleanor, we didn't make an announcement until I was probably 38 weeks pregnant and we posted a little photo a family photo and just said hey this is happening and I haven't posted a photo of her as an, on on social media yet she's four weeks I think that we will do that soon but um but yeah I think part of it is is be sensitive part of it also was because um I didn't know that it was going to be real or I couldn't accept that she was going to be real until quite late what, how did you and your husband, I mean, how did he support you through this? Did you guys, I mean, was he feeling the same things that you were feeling? Just talk a little bit about that dynamic. Cause I feel like as a mom and as like a woman, it just, it's, it's just different. And I sometimes wonder if like, do, do husbands get that or how did you guys navigate all of that? Yeah. Um, thanks for bringing him into this because it's, they're his losses too. Like if, when a woman loses a pregnancy, um, or is going through infertility, like her partner's there too. Um, and I think that they can get, so it's easy to overlook them. Um, Clayton was awesome. He is amazing. He's an amazing husband, um, and just an amazing person. And he, he did it all right. Like he gave me space. He, I was making this first time I'm tearing up. Um, he was just there. Um, and he was feeling all of it too. And sorry guys, <laughs> these are good tears because like, he, it's just like the goodness that comes out of this. Cause you realize that you have such a good partner. Um, but he had to deal with it too. He lost two children, two babies. Um, and I don't think that he maybe got the friends, like the support that I got. Um, and so that's another thing that to take away from this is like, think about the dads. Cause it's, you know, it's physically happening to your body. And there's so many elements of that with pregnancy that the moms get attention. And I think the dads get, um, you know, kind of off to the side and it's not always fair. Um, so remember the dads. <laughs> <laughs> um, Liz, I know that you, it took you a while, but you did eventually share your story on social media. Um, 
a little bit. Um, what have, you know, was that helpful for you? What, what was kind of, um, and, and I feel like in general, we talked about it a little bit, um, with your decision not to say much, um, uh, to wait for your announcement on social media, but talk about that a little bit and what you, you know, once you did open up, what kind of response you got? Yeah. Um, I shared, um, about, our pregnancy losses on Instagram on pregnancy loss awareness day, which is in October. Um, and it was probably the best thing that I did for my recovery, my mental recovery. Um, it was hard. It was like probably the hardest, hardest mental health day I've ever had because it was just so raw. Um, but it was the best thing because I put it out there and said, that, you know, here's what happened to us and I'm here. And if you're in this position too, like, you know, I'm here. And from one Instagram post, I had more than 45 women contact me, friends who said, yeah, me too. And I don't have that many friends. <laughs> I'm not, not like some influencer, you know? So to, to hear from 45 women who said, yeah, like, I struggle with this or I had a miscarriage and um, to have that common bond and to come out and say, not come out to publicly, but to, to share that with me, like that was super healing because it means that I'm not alone. Um, and it means that I can now share this with a friend or a colleague or whoever it is um, to help each other and to be there for each other. Um, so that was incredibly healing. And now I have those, friendships and now I'm sharing with them, you know, Eleanor after loss and they, many of them have children and it's like, it just kind of takes it to a whole nother level of, of, um, I don't know, companionship with that. And obviously this was really hard for you to go through these miscarriages, but do you want friends or even strangers to actively acknowledge these lost babies or is it something you just don't, you don't really want to talk about? I know that some parents like to say, you know, I have one living child and, and, and kind of phrase it that way. Or, or how are you going to move forward with all this? Yeah, I don't think that I will say oh, I have one living child. But, you know, there's no wrong or right way to, to do it. Um, I am now, I'm talking to you guys today because, you know, because I made that post on Pregnancy Loss Awareness Day and, and um, it's out and I talk about it now. Um, some people can't do that. Some people, like many of the women who, who responded to me to that post, share that loss, share their own stories and don't want it to be public. And that's okay. That's, you know, but it, so it has, it, you know, it has to be done to, to the, to the family and to the woman. Um, so for me, like it's out there, all my family knows, my friends know, um, and I don't think it's like we need to say, like, recognize those two pregnancies when we talk about Eleanor and we recognize her. No, but it's part of our story. Um, and it maybe, if anything, just makes her presence in our lives now just that much sweeter. Do you, you know, I know, I feel like years ago, this just wasn't really talked about at all, maybe decades ago. And I feel like it is becoming more common to be more open about these struggles with, with pregnancy and miscarriages and all of this. But do you think we're at the place now where we're there? Do you think there's more work to do? And how do we kind of like 
you know, be a better support system for women through all of this. I think that you're totally right, Karen. I think that it's getting better. Um, I think that there's so many resources out there and I, and I'm proud that I think that we're the generation where miscarriage, pregnancy loss, infertility is not this like unspoken myth. I think that we are changing that and that's amazing to see. Um, there's some, you know, many Instagram accounts, social media accounts, blogs that are there for pregnancy loss awareness and fertility. And so we have these um, communities to connect into. And that's been important to me um, coming back from this. Um, I guess there's always room to improve. I still think that um, it's it's kind of an unspoken, um, a culture of, of being unspoken in a way. Um, you know, we're still waiting to share um, when you're pregnant early because you don't want to share that if you lost it kind of thing. Um, and I think that that's okay if you don't want to share about losing a baby and I, or to wait to see if that happens. Like, I would do that again. If I got pregnant again, I would wait. Um, but it needs to be more of a, of a you know, mental health reason and, and for your family rather than this, like, shame or this dark thing that shouldn't be said, you know. I think, you know, one other thing for me, I feel like so many women, you know, you threw out kind of some numbers earlier. I feel like so many women do deal with this. And I think especially, you know, let's be real, ladies. We're all in our 30s here. Some of us may be creeping up on 40s. (laughs) Um, And so I think that, that it is as we wait longer to have children, as we kind of you know, this is something that we just, we, we, um, Liz spoke with a, um, OBGYN. Normally you would have maybe a 30% chance to get pregnant. Once you hit that 35, 40 range, it drops to 10%. Um, and so I think it's just something that, you know, as we are living in this getting, trying to get pregnant later world, you know, it's not going away obviously. And it's just something that is more on the forefront. It feels like because of many of our ages, um, and, and kind of waiting to start that journey. Like you, like you did, like, like I did myself. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I'm lucky to have, a, most of my friends, um, are single professional, not single professional women who we focus on our educations and our careers, um, and traveling and living life. And then, you know, most of my friends didn't try to start to get pregnant until, mid thirties. Um, I was 35 during our first pregnancy and I'm, um, 38 tomorrow, which is crazy. Um, Happy happy birthday. birthday. (laughs) But yeah, you're right. I mean, like it's gotta be, we, we're not changing nature when we, while we change our, um, our, our lives and our like cultural norms. Um, so maybe that's part of it that, you know, we need to, not have the attitude that I had and Clayton had when we first started getting pregnant was like, of course, this is going to work. We're going to get pregnant and this is going to, we're going to have a baby within a year. This is our plan, you know? So maybe we need to reframe things while we take our time and and work on our careers. I wouldn't change that. I wouldn't go back and try earlier. Um, But maybe we just need to have a, a, like rework our, our, our frame of mind to know that, it's harder and there's risk. 
Yeah. Did you know before you started getting pregnant what some of those statistics are in terms of like miscarriages and pregnancy loss? And I think because as the anchor moms, we're like just beginning to learn some of that, just how prevalent miscarriages are and just the difficulty in getting pregnant over the age of 35. Did you know all of that or was that something that you realized once you started going down that path? Yeah, not fully, not fully. We all know like, oh, miscarriage happens and it's common, but I didn't realize how common, I didn't realize how hard it would be, you know, like your egg count and percentages and how many months on average it would, I I didn't know any of that. No, it was just, I took it for granted. Like, okay, this is gonna, this, we're ready for this now. So it's going to happen now. Yeah. That's not what happened. (laughs) (laughs) And And by the way, I don't think that's what happens for, I think a lot of folks are finding themselves in the same shoes as you. You have these expectations and then you realize, then you start digging a little bit deeper and you sort of get into the science of it and you think, oh, whoa, okay. Yeah. Like I need to adjust my expectations. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And it's not to say that that like, that it, it can't happen that you're a 40 year old person and you know, you get pregnant quickly. Like I have a very good friend who got married last year at the age of 37 and she got pregnant on her wedding night, you know, like no. seriously. <laughs> mm, that actually uh, happens. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, like it's, but I think that's the, the, the rare situation, especially for women are my age and like, you know, for these pregnancies, even the, even the first one, when I was 35, I'm technically a geriatric mother. Like that's literally the term yeah. that doctors use, which is so messed up, but <laughs> <laughs> so mean yeah. because well, think of those rates, you know? Well, you look like a spring chick, Liz. You know, yeah, yeah. You, don't, you don't look a day over 25. I'll put on some good um, under eye concealer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with a newborn, yeah. Wow. Um, so before we let you go, Liz, um, Katie and Ingrid, your last chance to get out any good um, when Karen was younger embarrassing stories oh. here from, oh. from Liz. I mean, she's I got mean, some real winners. She can tell we, um, she's actually we, drafting like a whole email. She was going to send right, them like in right. order of importance. Well, thanks so much, Liz, for coming on. I know this is not an easy thing for anyone to talk about, but I think that when you talk about it, when other people talk about it, it does create more of that community and that support for women who need it. So um, we really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks to y'all for, um, for putting it out there and, and starting a conversation. And go snuggle that little baby girl. Give her lots of snuggles for us. We're jealous. (laughs) I will. Thanks, y'all. Thank you, Liz. Thank you. Bye. Anchor Moms is brought to you by Wilderness at the Smokies, the Smokies' largest water park resort. Get out of the house and into the wilderness. I'm so appreciative to Liz for coming on because I do think, I think it's such a sensitive topic and I really think you have to be really brave to sort of talk about it, especially take yourself back to that place that she was. Um, you could hear it in her voice. She was emotional. We were emotional. Um, but I'm thankful to her for putting her story out there. And I'm hopeful that it allows other women to talk about, you know, their pregnancy losses, their miscarriages, their infertility journey. And also for those who haven't had miscarriages, um, uh, she addressed that as well, which I think is very helpful, um, especially with, you know, the, the climate of social media, right? And, and she was talking a lot about scrolling through Instagram and seeing those posts. And I think it's important for people who um, 
uh, are pregnant who haven't had struggles to be sensitive to, to those who have had problems like Liz. And she, I think she, she talked about that pretty gracefully. Um, you know, she, she said she didn't feel like joy for those people and that that was okay. And that's an okay feeling to have too. Um, she, you know, she talked to her friends after the fact, um, and, and she said that, you know, they're cool now, but it's understandable when you lose two babies that she said she wanted to punch somebody in the face when she saw them walking down the street when they had a big belly. So we thank Liz for just being so honest with us. Yeah. And helping to kind of get that conversation started and hopefully kind of change things about how our community talks about it and deals with it and just, you know, write the end goal as is the end goal of, of anchor moms and a lot of, a lot of, um, moms out there is just to support each other and build that network and be able to deal with all mom related things, um, better. Cause it's always easier to do when you're going through these things with friends and with other moms and who just kind of get it and can be there to support you. So that's kind of the end goal of all of this, right? Just a big network of mothers. And congrats on Eleanor, the baby girl. That's right. Yeah. All right. You guys have a great week. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Ankle Moms, the The podcast. Thanks for listening.